Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, this show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal to bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. You know what I probably have an inkling with is that your organization can do a little better describing who you are. You can't imagine how many times that either I'll meet an organization or chat with an organization and ask them the simple question of like, what do you do? And it takes them way too long to explain. And I'm really not sure if they know uh, because I don't know. We're going to solve that today. Uh, We're actually going to talk a little bit about not only uh, how you tell your story, how you uh, learn about what you do, but we're going to kind of avoid the pitfalls of like explaining to the public, you know, getting people to understand who your donors are, who who you serve, all of it in one little umbrella. Uh, Brand new friend of the show, by the way, Aaron Merch, co-owner of uh, 2H Media. Aaron, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Very excited to get uh, started in this realm of sort of digesting and then regurgitating to others who 
individual organizations are? You think it's such a simple and easy answer, and yet it takes a little bit of work and it takes a little bit of prep. And I'm so glad that you're going to be with us today and bring your expertise to the table. But before we start, hey, we want to learn a little bit more about you. So could you give a 5,000 foot view who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the co-owner of 2H Media. We help Ontario-based nonprofits improve their visibility by building video-driven websites that reduce confusion and encourage engagement. See, this is this is what I'm talking about. That is a great answer because now we all know what you do and you didn't have to go on for 28 minutes and describe it. You just told us where we are. Also, hi, Canadian audience. It's been a long time coming. We're very excited to see you there as well. Okay, so... Um, Aaron, let's work in. Uh, let's work from here. I am a um, newish or a small nonprofit, and um, I think I know what we do. At least we got a mission statement, and I could repeat that over and over again. But maybe why is uh, repeating a mission statement not the best way to describe to somebody who asks what you do as an organization? Why is that not the best way to like just be done with it? I got a mission statement. Here's what here's what it is. Is there a better way to approach who we are as an entity? Yeah. And some of it depends on how good your mission statement is. If your mission statement is really killer and on point, that can be an awesome way to kick off that conversation. But in my experience, most mission statements are really broad and way too vague. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying, here's the mission on like that 20,000 foot view, because that might be something we're hoping to achieve over the next hundred years by working in a bunch of communities. What's your actionable plan? What are your next steps? Like, what are you doing day to day, week to week, month to month to actually make a difference in the world rather than some large scale vision for what you're hoping to achieve eventually? Right. I always like the the uh, the idea or a definition of a vision statement instead of a, a mission statement, which is what do you want to do when you grow up or who do you want to be when you grow up as an organization? Like we're going to go and achieve this, but here's what we're doing in the meantime. And and I, and I think it really comes down to impact stories. You know, the the real relatable thing that somebody average Joe average Karen on the street is going to totally relate to or at least understand from a Here's what we're doing to make our community better in the first place. Where do we start if we're sort of analyzing ourselves as a nonprofit to see, you know, if we've got this uh, thing together or if we think we do or we know we do, how do we even craft it even more effectively to kind of explain away what we do? In terms of figuring that out, like if you don't have a clear idea of who your organization is and what it does, I'd start with your success stories. So if you're already doing a bunch in the community, Look at the achievements you're the most proud of. Mm -hmm. What have you actually done to make an impact? Who are you empowering? And then what have they done with it? Mm -hmm. If you could start with those success stories and start to actually define the changes you're creating, you could look backwards at your process and go, what steps did we take to achieve those outcomes for the groups that we're working with? And from that, you should be able to build um, an elevator pitch or a mission statement or whatever you want to call it that literally just explains that process. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why I think a lot of nonprofits, especially here in flyover country, we're in North Dakota. My goodness, we're like the most middle of America kind of thing where our successes and celebrating it sounds like bragging, Aaron. And we know damn well that we don't want to brag because that sounds gross. How do we get out of our heads about that? That is such a huge sticking point for a lot of nonprofit leaders. And 
I'm I'm of two minds to this. Um, on the one hand, there's a lot we can do to make that more palatable, and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. On the other hand, I think it's really important for nonprofit leaders to understand it's okay to brag a little bit. It's absolutely okay to tell people that you're making a huge positive impact, and you're probably spending tons of time and tons of energy. You're underpaid and underappreciated, and really trying to get that impact out there, while actually celebrating your own successes and sharing your passion for the work you're doing is a massive part of helping other people understand what it actually is you do. If you don't brag a little bit, people are going to have no idea what you do. The other thing too is that I think the donors who give to you and the individuals who are so uh, hell-bent on making sure that your organization is a success want to know where their money went. And if you don't tell them, and if you don't celebrate anything that you've been doing, well, how in the hell are they supposed to know? That's another thing that drives me nuts about the nonprofit industry is that not necessarily the uh, humility that comes along with the responsibility of having and caretaking some money. That's that's not this. But letting people know about the successes is how you're going to beget more people who want to join your mission to help you have more successes. Am I wrong about this? No, absolutely. Like that's that's massively important. That's the whole crux of it. Like if you want to build trust with donors, sponsors, volunteers, even more people who might want to participate in whatever services your organization provides, you're going to need to show them that you can actually do the things you're setting out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that bridges me really nicely to the second part of that conversation, which is how do you make sharing your success stories more palatable? It's understanding that your success stories take a whole team. Um, And so one of the first things I said is look at the achievements you're really proud of. Most of the time, those are not achievements within your own nonprofit. You're not really like excited that you implemented an email marketing plan last year. No, you're excited that you built a school overseas or you gave a bunch of training to a local business and now they're doing amazing things. Well, if you're bragging about other people's achievements and the ways you help them get there, it doesn't have to be this self-congratulatory pat on the back that you might be worried about. It's actually a matter of celebrating your community at large um, and just using your resources as a nonprofit to help get the messaging out there about all of the other good that you're helping create and that other people are helping create um, by doubling down on the things you put in motion. One of the things that I love as a strategy that you uh, just sort of hit on is lifting up other organizations in the community as doing great work. I think the hesitancy is like, well, I don't want my uh, my donors to see that we're praising others because they're going to go and see their organization and they're going to go give them all their money. No, they aren't. No, they're I, not going to do that, right? <laughs> I see that all the time. And it's the most tragic thing in the nonprofit space is the scarcity mindset. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, this is, so this is something that's drastically important, um, especially with smaller community driven organizations. Like if you're, if you're geographically locked where you're one of 10 or 20 or however many it is, uh, nonprofits in your region, helping each other do more good is going to be drastically important to how much of an impact you can make on your community. And a lot of nonprofit leaders are really scared of either stepping on each other's toes or having the other nonprofits in their space encroach on your territory and take away some of those successes. And really, you can achieve a lot more celebrating each other and getting into an abundance mindset than you can stewing in that scarcity mindset and getting in your own way. 
Um, this bridges us really nicely too into another reason why it's massively important to know how to explain what you do. It might be murky what some of the other nonprofits in your space do. If you're a nonprofit leader, you probably have some idea what the other nonprofits in your in your uh, region or industry or whatever it is actually achieve. Probably not as good an idea as you should. And what's really scary is you probably have a better idea than 90% of the other people in your audience do what the difference between all of these organizations is. And so to me, one of the first steps to actually building relationships between different nonprofits and helping to promote each other is to be able to explain to each other, okay, here's what we do. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance once you have clear definitions of what your various nonprofits actually do for the community, you can start looking at how those complement each other instead of seeing them as competition for the same market. Two of the things that you just hit on, which are wonderful, which is, wouldn't it be nice if you could de-stress yourself as a nonprofit leader or a nonprofit fundraiser by partnering with other organizations that are doing something similar, that you're not stepping on each other's toes, you're actually doing, like you said, complementary work. Well, then now you don't have to be the be-all, end-all. You can actually get very back to the niche in which you started your organization because somebody else is taking on the things that you probably took on because you wanted to or you needed to or there's nobody else out there. This this opens up a lot of free time for you. And the other thing that I really love too is the concept that we talk about a lot on the show, which is being clear over clever. It's really nice to have this really cute story about whatever, and it's nice to have uh, alliteration here and there, but it's a lot easier to explain to a potential donor or a community partner if you're clear and precise and very niche rather than this sort of convoluted sort of let me tell you a war and peace story about what we did and how we got there in the first place. And I think that's such an important thing to remind our nonprofit friends is that you don't have to be uh, as eccentric as possible. Just what do you do and how are you doing it and what makes you different and better than everybody else because the government can't and won't do what they're trying to solve in the first place, period. That's it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. And once you have that ability to take these complex concepts and simplify them down to something that you can explain in one or two sentences, you can apply that to every single level of your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Right down to if you're planning a promotional event, what mm-hmm. the heck is that event for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's the friend raiser versus fundraiser kind of thing. It is the uh, what are we trying to uh, accomplish as far as uh, networking or are we trying to promote? And it's, it's just it, that's so much easier. The other thing that I think this does, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, is that the clarifying of your actual message clarifies who you're actually trying to get a hold of in the first place. Now, a lot of nonprofits will immediately say, I want more donors and I want more people to know who we are. Great. But you might be wasting time getting a hold of people who have no intention of donating to you, being involved because they just don't care. Your clarifying of your own message was going to inevitably link you up closer to people who who are aligned well with you in the first place. And that will save you a whole heck of a lot of time, won't it? It certainly will. And getting in front of your audience is a drastically important component to actually sharing your messaging. Mm -hmm. The first step to doing that effectively is, as you said, understanding who your audience actually is um, and understanding that that might change depending on where you're at as an organization. So you mentioned donors. Yeah, everyone wants to get in front of donors. A lot of people also want to get in front of community partners. 
volunteers, um, participants in whatever their actual programs are, the messaging you need to communicate with all of these different audiences is going to be very different. What you do will stay the same regardless of who you're talking to, but what your actual ask is, is should be changing dramatically based on whether you're looking for someone's money, someone's help promoting, um, or just someone to open up new opportunities to actually help you spend the funds that you're raising in their communities. Non-monetary asks of an individual are the gateway, I think, to big long-term relationships. Because if you call somebody, the only thing you ask for is money. And every time you call, you ask for money. And every time you call, you ask for money. They become an ATM to your organization. And they don't like that. Nobody likes that. But if you're asking for perspective, you're asking for their ideas on programming, you're asking to volunteer time, um, energy, perspective, effort, not just money. All of a sudden, you open up a lot of doors to saying, you know who else would like this? Or you know who else would be interested in this organization is X, Y, and Z. Your Rolodex grows immediately when it, you you can concentrate on making, like you just said, other calls to action. So maybe you can kind of describe how does an organization figure out what things other than money they can ask for? Because I think that confuses like, well, I just Why would I talk to anybody if it's not about money? Well, one example that I think should be really obvious, this entire conversation is about building recognition. And so the most immediate ask every single nonprofit out there should be going and sharing with their network is, hey, can you just tell more people about us? Mm -hmm. Can you help us get the word out there? Whatever that looks like. And some of that's going to be really direct. Here's our latest messaging. Can you share this newsletter with someone else? Can you share this social media post with someone else? Some of that might be more organic. Some of that might be really natural. Um, if you are an organization that works, again, if you're geographically locked and you're working within a local community, you can ask people to spend their time. Maybe it's speaking at an event you're running. Maybe it's um, working with someone that you uh, sponsor as a mentor. It could be all kinds of things. Well, if someone actually gets involved with your organization on a personal level where they have they feel an affinity to what you're doing, they feel an involvement, a personal commitment, they're automatically going to be way more likely to help you get your messaging out there than if you just call them up and ask for a dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting is you've hit on something that we harp on a lot, which is ask. You know, if you ask an individual or you or you create uh, marketing materials that ask the question on how how they want to help, and all of a sudden you're not asking them for help. You're like, hey, how would you like to help? And they're self-identifying. Oh my God, you know now more than you ever did about this particular individual. You could ask them what socials they're on so that you know that you don't have to waste time creating a TikTok account if most of your people are on Facebook. You don't have to worry about those things, right? You know more about who you're trying to attract because you're asking those who have already given to you or supported you in the first place. We assume a lot, I think, as nonprofit leaders without data-driven sort of uh, A-B testing. We just go with, which you always should go with your gut, but there's always a, a, a way to prove what you actually think is to be true by sort of investing some time into thinking differently exactly where you're uh, sort of going with, which is knowing your audience a heck of a lot better than you already do. I think surveying is a drastically underutilized tool, Facts. regardless of how you put it out there. Yes. Like, like it can be a really complicated uh, web form. It can be a 
two or three questions on a social media post. Um, No matter what tools you're comfortable with, just putting surveys out there is super powerful. And I think a lot of people have decided it's not exciting enough. Mm. And, And so aren't taking the time to survey their communities. Yep. survey their participants. If you're if you're running programs that are helping communities or helping business owners or helping individuals, ask them all the time what their experience has been like with your program. Can you make it better? Can you do what you're doing more effectively? The people that you're trying to help are going to have more information on that than anyone else. What sort of, you know, is, is part of a marketing, you know, uh, marketing hive brain uh, here, What's the what's the basic or the what's the best information to gather from your donors, your supporters, or those you're trying to sort of engage with? If you had a minimum viable amount of information, what should we definitely more than anything have an understanding or a bit of information about? That's a really good question. If they are existing donors, my first question would be why? Mm, love that. Why why, do, why are you here in the first place? Because yep. something you've done historically has drawn them to donate. If you can do more of that, if you can do more of the things that are working, you're going to be able to use your time much more effectively than if you're chasing shiny objects and coming trying to come up with new promotional strategies all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think retention is such a key component this year, you know, with the, uh, we've watched the number of donors decrease over the last decade and a half. Um, just people just ab- abandoning ship, not donating anymore. They don't have discernible disposable income anymore. To ask that question of why did you give in the first place is going to spark that bit of memory that what got them involved in the first place, that number one. So they almost have that rekindling of a fire, but it also allows you to then, you know, preemptively prevent them from leaving. Because either they're going to feel guilty or like, oh, I do remember why I love this uh, a lot. And actually asking that question once people leave is why did you leave or why did you not donate this year? I'm curious because we want to make sure we develop a you know, a marketing plan or communication plan that um, that prevents individuals like you from, from dropping off. I'm not asking you to come back necessarily. I, I would always like to come back, but I'm curious to why you left and didn't give. That's really good information to craft messages and follow-ups. Well, and even getting those potential donors to think about that question can be very powerful. Yeah. If they've left and they haven't examined the reasons why, maybe they just got busy. Maybe they had other priorities and this just didn't make their list this year. Right. Once they start thinking about it, they might be reminded why it's a priority and they right. might come back. You never right. know. Uh, going back to the, why did you join us in the first place? If I wanted to like really double down on that question and get a lot more value out of that conversation, my next question would be, can I share your reason with people? <sighs> Wait, you're going to tell me that people aren't going to get mad? At that question, that people want to tell their stories, they want to tell you reasons? Most what? people love to talk about what they're involved in, their decision-making processes, especially if you're taking donations from larger organizations. If you're if you're taking donations from a business, which is immensely common, it's super important to their marketing strategy that they tell people that they're doing it. And this might be a secret that a lot of nonprofit leaders don't know. 
For-profit businesses are often terrible at promoting what they do with nonprofits and how they give back to their communities. So if you can give them another avenue to do that, they're going to be really encouraged to give to you again in the future. They're going to be able to get that messaging in front of their audiences. And now you're building those community uh, connections that we talked about earlier, where it's more than just a monetary relationship. It's an actual partnership where you can grow together and work, um, work collaboratively to spread your messaging. The fact that you could create content for a marketing team that's always looking for content, which every business is, right? And they're scouring what they can do internally to promote a product or a service or an impact, whatever. And you're going to serve this up on a silver platter of your company, provided revenue or provided the support to do this, this, and this. And we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you very much. And you give it to them in two or three forms or a sentence or a, or a testimonial. Oh my God, you know how appreciative that marketing squad is? They don't have to think about stuff for the day. That's wonderful. But it also does something else here. And then this just kind of dawned on me here is that this next generation of employees really wants to make sure that their companies are making a difference in the community and they don't know what their company does. So you're helping your HR department, their HR department, right? Create content to keep their employees happy about what they're doing in the community and make it better. You're legitimately giving it to them by saying thank you. And by the way, you want to continue this partnership because you're awesome and we're awesome. We're better and uh, we're better together. And consider how much more powerful that is for a minute compared to what most nonprofits offer businesses. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10, it's, hey, here's our tiers. Mm-hmm. If you give us X amount of money, we're going to put you on our website on a page that doesn't get any traffic because we're not promoting our website. Yep. If you give us X amount more money, well, we'll put you on a banner at one of our Ooh. events. Yes. Um, and these are all, you know, great tangible things that you can, yep, you can put it down in a package. You for, can forget about it. You've done nothing to nurture that relationship. You've done nothing to capitalize on that success and build more success out of it by having this whole conversation about, hey, how can we promote each other? Let's tell the story of why you donate to this organization. You're ticking a ton of boxes for them and you're going to create a story that your audience can now buy into. And if someone who's watching your channels, who's watching your promotions can see why this other company that you're working with supports you, that's massive social proof to encourage them to support you as well. So we talk about building trust with your donors I think sharing your success stories that come from your donors can be just as important and just as powerful as sharing the success stories you're creating with your work. We talk a lot uh, in trainings and in webinars that third-party endorsements is exponentially more important than first-party solicitation. Everybody out there expects you as the nonprofit leader to brag up and see, look at what we're doing. And nobody expects a random volunteer to showcase how much they loved working with you, making an impact, et cetera. It's the reason why we trust random people on the internet to buy a vacuum on Amazon, right? We look at the five-star reviews and we're looking at, well, that Phil knows what he's talking about. Clearly, I can't make a decision for myself. It's the same topic with the donors and your supporters and your volunteers and the people who love you. Why not give them an avenue to do so? So I'm wondering, is there a way or an an easier way to approach them about uh, inviting them to the table? Or is it as simple as, Aaron, just asking them to provide it? I think it really is as simple as asking them to provide it. Um, To make it a simple conversation a little bit more complex, it depends on your relationship. 
you might already be in regular communication with some of these sponsors. And if you've already got um, regular touch points, just make that cross promotion part of your next meeting agenda. Mm-hmm. And you can have a whole conversation about it and get as elaborate as you want uh, about what that promotional strategy looks like. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that constant communication, if you don't have as close a relationship, keep it real simple. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'd go back to the two questions. Why did you choose to sponsor our organization? And can we share that story? Yep. See, that's such a practical thing to do. Let's just hypothetically say you got a quarterly board meeting or you got a monthly board meeting. Why aren't you asking everybody in that room around that table going, hey, can we just go around and take two minutes and say, why did you join the board? And uh, what do you love most about this organization? And can we share that? I don't, depending on how many board members you have, that's eight, nine, 12 pieces of content that you've just curated in less than five minutes that's catered to individuals who are like-minded of your current board members. It's it's huge. And like, I mean, you know, this isn't what we're talking about today, but many nonprofits struggle with board member engagement. Yep. It's it's a massive challenge, especially for executive directors. You're putting a ton of time in. You're living in the nonprofit. Your board members probably aren't. They're running other com- other businesses, other organizations. They're involved in their communities. They probably don't live and breathe your nonprofit as much as you would like them to. Giving them those easy ways to participate in the process can be a great step for getting your board members way more involved and way more on board. I think this is the perfect strategy to do so. And I think it's perfect strategy that we're talking about it because that actually makes sense. If you're looking at a small nonprofit, what is the one or two things that you know they're probably not doing that they should? What's low-hanging fruit that a small nonprofit is not doing well enough that they could probably turn it around in two and a half seconds if they thought about it a little more that you see on a fairly regular basis just missing from the landscape? Um, the, so the two things that nonprofit, small nonprofits are not doing that they should be. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked circles around this the whole time. The number one thing is just talking to people at all. Full stop. Um, do you have any kind of social media presence? Maybe, maybe not. Um, are you even talking to your volunteers, your donors? I, I don't care what that looks like on a technical level. I, I don't need you to go and get MailChimp. I don't need you to go and get um, a super advanced customer relationship manager. Just open up your email and start a conversation with someone. That would be number one. Just talk to people at all. Mm-hmm. And then um, number two would be market. Market your programs. Market your organization. At the end of the day, you know, we talk about getting away from that scarcity mindset. But people do still only have a certain amount of money to spend. And it's important for nonprofits to realize that they're competing with for-profit businesses to capture people's dollars. And so if you're not marketing as aggressively as a for-profit business is, they're going to leave you in the dust. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing, too, is that you're also trying to vie for the attention of everybody who's got gnat-like senses at this point, right? We're just, oh, oh that's something cool, and that's something cool, too. If you have a fundraising event coming up and also Paradiso has a special for enchiladas all you can eat for $9.99, you're legitimately fighting against people seeing that and remembering that. I know it's weird that your uh, food scarcity organization is going to fight against all you can eat enchiladas, but it's actually happening on a regular basis. Um, And the thing that I think screws up people the most when they're trying to do marketing stuff is 
changing language every two hours because immediate gratification of not getting 150 likes right out of the gate. So I must be doing something wrong, Aaron. So I've got to change it up. So every day or every other day, I'm going to change what I'm saying and how I'm saying it in order to figure out what's working. Or do you have another solution for us? Yeah, let's bring the conversation full circle. Get really good at doing explaining what you do in as simple terms as possible. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> especially, especially given like, as we just touched on, you've got five seconds to get people's attention. Well, you should be able to explain what your organization does in one sentence. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, you've already lost people's attention before you've finished even trying to get the word out. Mm-hmm. Be clear over clever. Don't waste anyone's time. Get right to the root of this stuff. And it's going to solve a lot of your issues. What I love most about uh, this conversation today is that it, it, it all circles around the same thing, which is once you figure out what you do, it's a lot easier to explain to everybody. And you're going to explain it to the right people who have the right mindset and the right affinity. We're going to have the right amount of wallet space to give you as much as possible, whether that's time, talent, or treasure. And they're going to find you because you are more clear than anybody else. And that they, you get to cut through a lot of the noise because you're not making any additional sounds and I think that's really what the brilliant uh, piece of this sort of conversation is. Yeah. If you take nothing else away, get that one thing down and then everything else is gravy. Aaron, a lot of people are going to want a little bit of help trying to figure out what that one thing is. And I, my guess is they're going to want to connect with you because that seems to be a heck of a lot easier than figuring it out by themselves. Aaron, how on earth do people get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of uh, 2H Media? Explain. Easiest way to get hold of me is just shoot me an email, Aaron at 2h.media. Those go straight to me. I'd be happy to book a strategy session. As always, we're going to put uh, all of the contact information into our show notes. So as uh, we wrap up the podcast, go immediately there and click a bunch bunch of stuff and then say, hey, Aaron, that was a really good show. I really like to enjoy that. By the way, while you're on the internet, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, shame. I'm not going to blame you. You should probably uh, sign up right now. That's going to be pretty good. We have guests like this all the time. Uh, if you're looking for uh, ways to learn more, go check out Do Good University. we got lots of people who uh, come on as guest experts. My guess is we're going to ask Aaron to come on soon too. Uh, so we got a lot of uh, learning opportunities and freebies and things to download as well. So please join us there. Uh, and then immediately go back to the show notes, click on things that you're going to get for uh, 2H Media. Say hi to Aaron. Um, thank you very much for A, Clarity, of, uh, of this really uh, has helped, I think, um, get to the root of a lot of problems that a lot of nonprofits have, especially the small and medium-sized ones, which is what the hell do you do? Uh, number two, thanks for your perspective and uh, sort of the up-to-date information, which is always wonderful from somebody like yourself who is boots on the ground seeing this in real time. But most of all, my friend, thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show and for a fantastic conversation. Appreciate it, my friend. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes 